what indeed comes next <laughs> what indeed comes next where to go from here well i can tell you exactly where i'm going from here but i won't because spoilers <laughs> <laughs> Episode 413, recording on 214, episode 413, 214, wait, 214, that's February 14th, that means today is Ando Valentine's Day. Wow, I get double rock out duty today. Welcome back, Ando. <laughs> Always good to be back, Mike. So is uh, the you holiday? Just me rock out yeah. to my song here. <laughs> it's it's not distracting at all. Not even a little bit. Is is today's holiday extra special for you, or or no? Is it just another another uh, silly Hallmark holiday? Well, I mean, I've always been a fan of Valentine's Day because I am such a hopeless romantic sap. Um, <laughs> I have to admit that uh, that in the the years that uh, years since Katie May and I have been married, it has honestly taken a bit less of a um, a place of prominence because our anniversary is literally two weeks later, and so we're kind of like, well, if we celebrate Valentine's Day, then anniversaries are like, I just got you something two weeks ago, and so we just kind of we tend to not make a big, big deal about Valentine's day so that our anniversary feels a little more special. So you, you, um, observe your anniversary on February 28th. Uh, well on non leap years, (laughs) um, we celebrate kind of just whenever during the week that it makes sense. Um, but since we, as her brother, uh, called it, got married expert mode on February 29th, (laughs) that means that last year was our uh, third anniversary. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Um, which, uh, cause yeah, we got married in 2008, which gosh, that's, (laughs) it feels like a long time ago now. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So eight, eight, 12, 16, 20. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Three. <laughs> yep. Our third that anniversary. Would be, that would be three. Three times. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and which is really, I mean, not to die, not to uh, diverge too much, but since it is kind of a thing that I'm thinking about as it nears our anniversary, um, we, uh, as a little anecdote, because I don't know if I've ever brought this up on Nerdburger before, but uh, the, the wife and I were actually planning on having a fairly traditional wedding, like, you know, we were going to. My, my grandparents are going to let let us use their church, and and we were just going to have a, a a normal wedding, but we were just we're not traditional people, <laughs> and and we were getting all stressed out, and and it was getting you know we were just we we were saying gosh, wish we could just elope, and my parents were visiting us one day, and they're like, well, then why don't you? Because like, <laughs> we didn't think the family would let us get away with it, and they're like, well, I mean, yeah, it may ruffle feathers, but it's your wedding, you know, if it's what you want to do, then nobody else really has any say over that, and we're like fine cool weddings off and uh we just got married at the uh courthouse in um marietta uh, right off the square and okay. uh 
it we originally weren't planning on doing the 29th it was going to be the 28th and we were going to um we were going to leave uh for our honeymoon but then because of the the shift out of doing a, a more traditional wedding and into doing the courthouse thing we just it, it made sense to do it that day and once we saw the actual date and realized it was going to be leap day we're like well now we have to do it you know <laughs> just to be weird and uh courthouse weddings if you've never been part of them are are interesting and very brief um katie may's family missed it entirely because oh they wait for no person <laughs> They wait for nobody. They're nobody like nobody at all. They're like number twelve. <laughs> well, actually, this so that day because it was a Saturday that we got married, and there were like six other couples. Right, that's uh, the thing. There's there's other people there. You're not by right. yourself. They didn't have us line up or anything. They literally like okay, all of the what eleven a.m. or whenever it was, all the eleven o'clock weddings come on in, and like my parents were there. Katie May's family had got were not ready yet. So we so we just they just we couldn't wait. So we went in and there and basically the judge came in, gave like a minute long speech, um, and then had all of us face each other, and it was essentially. Brides to you, grooms to you, give each other rings, kiss, you're married. It was like <laughs> 10 minutes, we were done. Congratulations and get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> and it was much cheaper too. I mean, like less than 50 bucks for the whole thing. You know? Yeah, it took took us a while to pay ours off. Put it on. So that's why I cards. always tell people who aren't <laughs> married yet, like you can just pay less than $50, pay a judge and get, get it done in a courthouse. It's over quickly. And then you can still have whatever, you know, celebration or ceremony you want later. We, we waited four years and our first anniversary in 2012, we threw a, a reception <laughs> friends and family over, had a bunch of dancing, did the whole like tossing bouquet and garter and all that stuff. Yeah. Allison and I didn't have a traditional wedding. We just had a fancy cocktail party. <laughs> but we but we got and we got married that was the beginning actually was that the beginning yeah that was the beginning of the cocktail party was the, the <laughs> i think it was no more than three minute ceremony there you go that honestly it's the way to do it don't drag it out you know you can still be romantic and sweet and it doesn't have to be a two hour long yeah. fancy formal wedding thing you then, know that costs thousands of dollars then we had like an hour long um cocktail hour obviously you know, as, yeah, as the name would suggest. Yeah, <laughs> it might have been it might have been closer to 45 minutes. But while the um, the uh, hotel moved all the uh, the rows of chairs in the ballroom, like rearranged them with tables. And then we went <laughs> back in and sat down and ate dinner. <laughs> and that was it. And uh, yeah, that took several, several years to pay off on the, on the credit card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we got you know, we managed to get people like all kinds of people came from out of town, which was nice. So. It was fun getting family together. Anyway, um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you real quick. Do you, mm -hmm. do you get what is going on over there? Are you okay? <laughs> Go lay down. <laughs> the dog is not having being locked in this room with, with me today. Um, mm. I wanted to ask you, Ando, do you mm. get the, uh, the traditional or the modern gifts? And do you get the three year? Like the, like, will you get the, Last year, did you get the three-year gift or the 12-year gift? <laughs> or do you not even go there? <laughs> Katie Mae and I are so not materialistic. We have not gotten each other like what you would consider anniversary gifts 
the entire marriage. Yeah, we, we don't. Do I don't mean to make that sound like we don't care because we do. We just value time together and experiences more than trinkets. Yeah. Um, neither of us does a lot of jewelry, like a little bit, but it just it, it's it's much more important for us to be able to spend you know spend the time sure. together and have good experience. So we've done like vacations on for anniversaries and that. Yeah, we've done that. But yeah, the uh, the traditional three year gift is leather. The traditional twelve-year <laughs> gift is silk or linen. So if you, you if you wanted to, those all kind of line up. You could go. You can go clothes shopping or um, upholstered furniture shopping <laughs> for either of those. And the modern yeah. gift uh, for three-year is crystal or glass, and for uh, twelve-year is pearl. So <laughs> I suppose you could kind of stretch that, and um, and that could that could apply to new. Uh, set of dice for playing you keep RPGs. saying 12 year this year is 13 years right this right. year will be our 13th i'm comparing year. for last year though yeah the last year yeah because that's yeah. when the three and the 12 line up but yeah, yeah. if you want to know 13 i can scroll, scroll down <laughs> and tell you <laughs> lace is the traditional gift and the modern gift is <laughs> here we go again with uh with a uh, yeah, you can do curtains and or furniture. <laughs> the modern of textiles or faux furs. <laughs> <laughs> who comes up with this shit? I have no idea. The knot.com, that's who. Uh, oh boy. You want to jump into news real quick? Yeah, we've we we already uh, realized we've only got a little bit of news. We've got we've got stuff to do today. We've got an agenda. Let's get to news. That's right. What's news, Ando? Well, what's news is that apparently, beginning with uh, my last appearance on Nerdburger a few weeks ago, I have instituted a uh, a new curse on the world, the entertainment world. Um, oh, no. A curse? Yeah. So, like, you know how Sports Illustrated magazine, it's one of those things where they have, they feature athletes on the cover, but then, you know, that have had some kind of outstanding achievement. But then after being featured, they have either an injury or a disappointing, you know, year or something, and it all falls apart. Or this also happens with, like, the Madden NFL video games and That's the right. WWE video games. Whoever is, like, featured on the cover of something is going to then, like, have some awful thing happen to them. Bad luck, you know? Sure. So apparently, and I did not do this on purpose, but apparently <laughs> I have instituted the Dark Shadows curse. You have unintentionally conjured. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I come on Nerdburger to talk about Shadows of a Dark Past and Dark Shadows at this point, apparently a Dark Shadows actor is going to die. Oh, no. Last time, um, uh, shortly before I came on the show, we lost Diana Millet, who played the recurring character of Laura, who I, ta- who I talked at great length about um, last time. Um, and I was all excited to come on this time and not have a Dark Shadows actor death. And then I found out that Christopher Pinnock, a very beloved Dark Shadows actor who joined the show kind of towards the end, but he was one of the people who stayed very engaged with the fans, always went to all the Dark Shadows conventions. He continued to uh, voice the uh, voice characters in the ongoing audio dramas that have been done since then. Uh, he stayed very, very active in the community. He just recently, he just a few days ago passed away. Well, rest <sighs> in peace, Christopher Pennick. Yeah. So according to the article that uh, that I read, he was uh, 76 years old and it wasn't a complete surprise. He had been in the hospital. He had been ill, but um, 
In addition to Dark Shadows, um, which in which he played a whole bunch of uh, characters, including in the uh, 1970 parallel time alternate universe, he played essentially a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde character in which he played both you know, versions of it. Um, but he also was on Broadway stage. Um, according to this article, he was in uh, productions of The Rose Tattoo, um, The Philadelphia Story, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, Just about every soap opera. Dark- <laughs> yeah, but in addition to Dark Shadows, he also was uh, he was also in Somerset, General Hospital, The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, and The Guiding Light. Wow. So he was- yeah, he was in a lot of different soap operas in addition to Dark Shadows. And he was just one of those people that threw himself with gusto into every role. So in honor of Christopher Pinnock and his gusto, I want to share my favorite Dark Shadows blooper that involves him, which there are several that involve him. On the blooper reel for Dark Shadows, there's a lot of Christopher Pinnock ones. But one of my favorite ones came from a period in time where he was playing a psychotic character. He was actually a, a, a character who had come unhinged and killed several people. And he had kidnapped a character who was actually played by Kate Jackson of uh, Charlie's Angels fame. She also was in Dark Shadows. Um, and he the, and so Christopher Pinnock's character was trying to tie her up you know, in a, in a hidden, in a room and trying to do the traditional, you know, bit like bank cloth gag bandana around her mouth. <laughs> but if you know, Kate Jackson, she's got very thick, long, luxurious hair. And he was trying to do it from, he was trying to lean over her facing her from the front and tie this gag around the back of her head with all of her hair. And it was just like a, a bandana, a piece of cloth. And he's trying to tie it, but it's getting tangled up in her hair. And he's trying to get finished because <laughs> his character's in a hurry. And he just kind of backs away like he's all done. Then there's no knot. It's tangled up in her hair. It almost immediately, one side of it just comes loose. And poor Kate Jackson's having to literally bite down with her feet. <laughs> And hold the gag in her mouth while one side of it just dangles freely off the side of her face. And she's got to lay, sit there and pretend she's tied up in gag. <laughs> and he just has to kind of straight face the whole thing. And you know that poor guy was like, oh, man, this doesn't look good at all. <laughs> but he just rolled with it. That's what you got to do. <laughs> yep. So rest in peace, Christopher yes. Pinnock. You were awesome. What else is news, Mike? Oh, this is uh, not... It's not Dark Shadows related, um, and it's but it's it's sort of in the realm of ghosts and vampires and witches. Okay, tangentially. <laughs> so uh, there's this researcher named Anthony Bragalia. He's a UFO researcher, mm. and he he likes to um, send in those freedom of information request things. <laughs> to the government right and uh they, the yeah they actually uh the pentagon actually responded to him and um may have possibly accidentally admitted that they have uh physical debris from ufos <laughs> may have what do they say <laughs> um well he says it is a stunning admission from the government and that the documents reveal some of the retrieved debris possess extraordinary capabilities including the potential to make things invisible or even slow down the speed of light. But they don't talk about those things (laughs) in this article. (laughs) They talk about... Okay, so the the government includes uh, advanced technical reports on a material called nitinol or nitinol, N-I-T-I-N-O-L. Okay. Um, 
nitinol is a shape memory alloy that remembers its original shape when folded or crunched and snaps back seamlessly and instantly. Now, what does that sound like uh, to you, Ando? I mean, with respect to UFO debris stories that we may have heard in the past, famously in 1947 from New Mexico. Gee, I'm leading Hmm. you there a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, because I'm such a Star Trek fan, I am immediately yanked to the Deep Space Nine episode, Little Green Men, in which it's basically revealed that the 47 Roswell crash was was the three Ferengi and Odo from the show. (laughs) But that's where I thought you were going with it. Oh, man, maybe I do need to watch Deep Space Nine. You do. Quark, Rom, Nog, and Odo are the aliens from uh, from the new Roswell crash, according to Star Trek and the episode Little Green Men. But go on. What is so this guy? Wait a claim? minute. Uh, no, OK, I was going to ask you. So they survived, but I don't want to know. I don't want the spoilers because I might actually check that out. Um, well, no, I, everybody's probably heard the stories. They've seen they've seen the uh, the pictures anyway mm-hmm. of uh, Jesse Marcel, Major Jesse Marcel from the air force standing there posing with um, a bunch of tinfoil and balsa wood. <laughs> that was, you know, supposedly the weather balloon, uh, mm-hmm. the radar target on the weather balloon. Anyway, that, that someone mistook for a crashed UFO, how they, they could possibly do that. Nobody knows, but uh, mm-hmm. he went on later in life when he was older and, and close, close to dying. He uh, gave a bunch of interviews and, and admitted that, uh, that, uh, no, that's that's not what it was. It really was a crash flying saucer, and there were you know these like little like eye beams with you know alien language or some kind of hieroglyphics looking stuff written on it, and there was stuff that was like tinfoil, but it wouldn't stay crumpled up or wrinkled. Like you hmm. could crumple it up, but then it would immediately snap back into a hmm. straight sheet, and you know that's basically what this nitinol or nitinol stuff is that mm. the pentagon has um given out a bunch of uh documents about <laughs> yeah he says they are omitting information on the chemical and elemental composition of the material as well as its origin and names of involved scientists as well but he has since learned of some of their names and uh is contacting them he says the testing was carried out by Bigelow Aerospace, one of the private contractors based in Las Vegas. Bigelow, as in Robert Bigelow, the guy who wants to build the inspaceable hate flotel that we've talked about on Nurburger before. At least that's what we call it. It's actually an inflatable space hotel. But apparently he's laid off all of his employees. <laughs> so that might not be happening now. Yeah, kind of hard to build a floating space hotel when they don't have people to build it. <laughs> you know, just a kind of a tip there, just saying. So there you go. Sad that we won't be getting the inspaceable hateful hotel, apparently. <laughs> we'll see if anything more comes from this. Nothing will. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> we'll we'll keep we'll make sure to keep an eye on yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Hey, speaking of spoilers. Ooh, are we about to go where I think we're about to go? I think we need to. Well, before we go into the spoiler part, I want to do a little bit of the tooting my own horn part. um, Okay. If you don't mind. Uh, The the review, I was going to... 
talk about that. Toot away. Just get that out of the way. Um, so we're about to launch into part two of the Shadows of a Dark Past season one recap and uh, an analysis episode. Um, but before we did that, um, there is uh, there's a review I wanted to um, share at least share part of just because I'm I'm super proud of it. Um, I try really, really hard not to get too big ahead over things when people compliment my, my, my creative works, but uh, you know, it's one thing when someone just says, Oh, this is a great show. You know, that's, I, I like hearing it, but when you get real actual granular, like this aspect of the show is really good. It, it to me says something very genuine about it. And I, um, there was someone who uh, it's, it's been pretty clear. I'm sure I, I, promote my show on the the site pod chaser and there's uh there's a lady there who um i don't think she's any like professional reviewer i don't think just someone who's very prolific in writing reviews for audio dramas and she wrote a review of my first of the first episode of the season saying how great it was you know how compelling the first one is and how drawn in she was nice but, so this um, is somebody who obviously listens to a lot of audio dramas so very pro- much probably so. knows what she's talking about very much so, which is you part of think. why I was very uh-huh. like I was happy to have her review. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, um, as, even though by that point it wasn't, you know, we the finale wasn't live yet. It still was. We were getting pretty late in the season, and she wrote another review for me. This time, not on an episode, but on the series as a whole. And I just really liked what she said, and I wanted to share this just because it sounds it, it, it's so neat to hear this said about a show that I was the creator of. <laughs> And she said, Shadows of a Dark Past is, from the very first episode, one of those shows where you just can't wait for the next episode to come. I was immediately drawn in from the start, even though horror is not my thing at all. The story is so well written and acted, it all feels very genuine, natural, and easy to listen to. Then, further, Mark McCain is a multidimensional and relatable character, and I really like him more and more for each episode. I also want to praise the theme song. It's so beautiful, distinct, and captures the show in a perfect way. And it's like, wow, that is super high praise. I That's am awesome. so floored by that. <laughs> and and I just I think it says something that that it, again it was it was specific things and it feels really good to hear that in particular the character of Mark McCain is a relatable character. He is supposed to be. You know, I've, I've some of the there, not that I've never gotten any kind of, you know, middling or even slightly more negative critique of the show. I expect that no one's going to, not everyone is going to like it. And some of the critique I have gotten that was less than fully favorable revolved around Mark McCain being sometimes I, you know, we talked on, talked last time we touched on him having a idiot energy. Right. I think some. Some people let that or his sometimes his dip into to less than full professionality as a psychiatrist um, let that color like, oh, he's not that good a psychiatrist. It's like, duh, he's not. He says that himself. <laughs> Mark says himself, if I was any good, I wouldn't be here in Claysville. Like the whole point isn't yeah. that he's a great psychiatrist. The whole point is he's an everyman. You get the he's impression of us. Yeah, his whole his, his most of his practice depends on the, the Clayton family. Most he has no other clients. Oh, that's he it. Has, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, he, they pay his retainer, and that's all. I mean, like, is that why it sounds like he's not driving a new car? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's not supposed to. He doesn't have a lot of nice things. So. Yeah, engine's uh, a little rough when it starts. Yeah. Up. <laughs> yeah, and here at the in the end of the season, we get to hear hear the horn. Yeah. 
a lot. So <laughs> let's let's dive in. Let's do so it. When we last left off when I was what? here a few weeks ago, we had gotten through episode five. That's right. So the the sort of the the plot had taken us to Andrew had finally revealed to Mark that he had a, a blood slave in Stanford Jameson, which Mark did not handle well. Um, and after trying to promise Stanford, he'd try and help Andrew come, you know, to a solution, which Stanford also did not take that well. <laughs> uh, Mark forces Andrew to promise that he'll, you know, work with him to free Stanford. And then Andrew finally has opened up about Gabrielle, the witch yes. that w- was the ultimate source of his own vampirism. And Mark ended episode five by almost reluctantly having to acknowledge he knows somebody who might be able to help the situation. That's, That's right. where we left off. Yes. And so here we begin with that theme everyone mm-hmm. loves so much. Also, this is Shadows of a Dark Past. Ooh, did it live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, the the final uh, episode and interlude have just dropped about a week ago. As uh, this episode goes ago, as, goes live, oh, not it, quite. As live. Yeah, 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 yeah. As as of the recording, we're recording on Sunday. Interlude five went live yesterday, and episode ten went live day before. Like it okay. is brand new. <laughs> Yeah, so we're still talking about it. And so spoiler alert. Big time spoiler alert. Spoilers. That's right. We're spoiling the heck out of the rest of season one. Yeah, all the way up to and including the finale. So, you know, again, as we said last time, if you seriously are at all interested in shadows of a dark past and you have not listened through the end of the first season because the whole season's live now and it takes what three and a half hours to listen to the entire thing start to finish something like that you need to stop and finish it <laughs> you, you, you need to stop listening right now to 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 nerd burger and finish shadows of a dark past and come back to nerd burger <laughs> so if you have if you're still listening you've been warned so hopefully you already know what happens or you just don't care and here we go spoiling to start episode with six. episode six. So episode six begins as we uh, we meet the person that Mark is referring to, um, a lady named Allison Simmons, who it is extremely clear from the very beginning of the conversation that uh, Mark and Allison have history. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after a bit of banter, uh, Mark asks Allison to come help a situation that he's got a uh, a client that needs protection from a witch and Allison kind of gets her interest peaked and says that she'll come help to come and at least talk to the guy. So we, um, I, we have a short scene with with Toby, if I recall correctly in there, uh, to- Toby leaves a voicemail for his sister, yep. Alex. Um, basically we, it, it it's partially to continue getting Alex into the, um, the canon, but also showing that she's uh, the black sheep of the family. Uh, her, their father, David, has cut her off financially, and Holly's trying to trying to do something about it. 
Um, and we get the first inclination that Alex is hearing Toby talk about Andrew because Andrew pops by to ask for directions through the big house that he, he gets lost in. <laughs> um, but then we go back to, to Andrew and Mark uh, and Allison. And um, though at first Andrew is understandably hedgy about, you know, the fact that he's a vampire, Allison is very smart and she pretty quickly picks up that something is not right. And then pretty quickly puts two and two together that Andrew is a vampire. And so for like the third time in a few months, Andrew's having to face down. Oh my God, you're a vampire. And what does she do? She, uh, she makes a cross with her fingers. Yeah. And Mark's like, uh, uh, Allison making a cross with your fingers isn't going to work. And she's like, what? You already knew? Yeah. <laughs> she's not like the fact that Mark, you know, hid that from her. Or they quickly. He's being all calm about it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, after Andrew and Mark uh, assure Allison that they they do not intend her to come to any harm and they just want to talk and that everything's okay, she listens to Andrew's sob story and um, at first Andrew gets really insen- uh, you know worked up over things and he's like I, I want to kill Gabrielle and so help me and and Allison's like you did not say anything about killing people that's too far for us. Yeah. And Andrew has to be like, okay, fine, fine. If she's going to die, I'll kill her. But will you at least protect me, help or help me protect myself from her? And Allison's like, okay, that much I can do. I'll try and help you. And she makes Andrew, you know, tell her Gabrielle's name, which he doesn't want to do because aside from saying it to Mark, you know, the other, the other couple days before he hasn't said it out loud since he learned what she, you know, that she was responsible for things and it really takes a lot out of him to say it. And after a final warning to Allison to take it seriously, that Gabrielle is no joke and is very dangerous. Uh, Andrew, you can tell this being affected by having to, to reveal the name and he begs off to go visit Holly again. And then we hear Mark and Allison packing up to leave. And uh, Allison <laughs> says they should go catch up at Mark's place. Uh huh. It's not too late. Yeah. It's not too late. And he's like, all right, let's go. So they go catch up. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> it's obviously not the first time this has happened. Nope. <laughs> um, and that leads us into interlude three, where we hear Andrew, uh, that where you know, Andrew has gone off to find Holly. We find out he's actually knocked on her, you know, basically wrestled her out of bed in the middle of the night to ask her to go smoke weed on the, on the yeah. tower again. <laughs> <clears throat> Which leads to some of the, my favorite uh, conversations between them where, you know, she's like, you, you, you've obviously got something on your mind or you wouldn't, run, you know, drag me out of bed in the middle of the night to ask me to smoke my weed. So out with it. Mm, yep. <laughs> um, so Andrew finally unloads about Gabrielle to, to Holly as well. And um, and he reveals how he's just desperately afraid that he hasn't gotten away from her, that even the running to Claysville is the first thing he thought of that he hasn't really escaped. And, you know, he's worried about what might happen. He started to second guess himself. Maybe he thinks if he can go back and apologize to her, she'll take him back and won't be angry, you know, all that kind of stuff. Meaning the intention there being that to to draw parallels to like an abuse victim that like, temporarily gets away and then starts thinking maybe if i go back i won't suffer the consequences you know and holly picks up on that right away oh totally she's like it sounds to me like yeah. if you're quaking <laughs> if you're shaking in your boots about what might happen if she catches you sounds like you were right to leave yep. 
And basically what the purpose of this interlude is, is to for Holly to help strengthen Andrew's resolve, because by the end, it's saying if she shows, you know, Holly's prompting him if she shows up again and Andrew's like, I'll tell her I don't need her in my life and that I, you know, I, I she should leave me alone. And, and Holly's like, that's the spirit. <laughs> so. Um, and this is the 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 ending where he where Andrew uh, Holly hugs him and he's like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, it's called a hug, Andrew. It's not, it's not going to kill you. Kill you. <laughs> Great line. One of my favorite lines. Yep. And then at the end, um, he Andrew also we get a little sweet little all moment as Andrew asks if he can start calling her Aunt Holly. I literally Toby yep. does. I literally wrote, quote, Aunt Holly, <laughs> smiley face, <laughs> awe. In my notes, right there. <laughs> and it just goes to show how much she has already become not only a friend, but a, a loving family member, a confidant for Andrew. She's emotional support for him. And uh, he's very clearly started going to her for advice. I mean, how to deal with Mark when Mark's pissed at him, how to deal with Gabrielle, you know, all this stuff. So that gets us into episode seven, which even though it's past the literal halfway point, it's kind of one of the turning points of the season because of the way that it ends. <laughs> we come into the beginning of episode seven and we hear Andrew doing something we normally hear Mark doing, doing a, 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 a voice memo, diary, journal entry, essentially, talking to himself about living here among the Claytons and how he's, you know, he knows he's got to ingratiate himself better to David because Holly's really the only one that likes him. And, you know, he can't stay long if he can't get the rest of the family liking him. And he's kind of ruminating on all this when he's interrupted, you know, rather ungracefully by Stanford telling him that Toby has arrived and then just saying, Hey, he's in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, every Andrew, time Andrew says, I, and this is the first thing I wrote down. He misses Mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's an important thing. He misses Mark. <laughs> and this, this is, is going to kind, of, kind be of become a theme with both of them. Yeah. Now, while they're they're sort of, you know, at odds a little bit over the Stanford situation. Yeah. Yeah. Because he Andrew's finally having to admit that he is that Mark is his friend. This might be one of the first times that he is able to say that Mark is his friend, like actually not have someone else prompt him, but just admit that Mark is my friend. And he, he also um, while dictating refers to holly as aunt holly again and i wrote yep. aunt holly again smiley face aw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah the, so then to toby shows up yeah so toby shows up and and i the transitional moment is one that like when we the first couple times that i listened to this episode in the finished version like with all of the music and sound effects and everything you know katie may obviously listens to these things with me too and she just busts out laughing you know andrew's in the middle of a sentence it's knock 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 and stanford's like hey hey toby clayton's here hey he's in here stanford doing yeah that was funny <laughs> we will talk about this later <laughs> whatever <laughs> You really get the feeling that Stanford just doesn't give a crap at all. No, no. <laughs> He's pretty much fed up with his situation. And we get oh, to hear we get to hear a little bit of that later. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Toby shows up to talk to Andrew and it's obvious that shortly before the the, the basically what happened just before the episode started was that Andrew had been over at Clayton Mill for dinner with a family and apparently David was surprise surprise rude because Toby's <laughs> come over to apologize for him and to basically assure Andrew hey just because dad's nasty it doesn't mean that the you know he, he says personally you're living here has not impacted me in the slightest 
And so we start to get a little bit, you know, we've seen Toby already talking to Mark and now we see him interacting with Andrew. And it's just this, again, this feeling of he just does not care at all for being rich. He hates the, the status of his family and how they basically just got their, their prestige handed to them and certainly don't deserve it. Haven't earned it and don't deserve it. And that's the way that Toby sees the family. And so it's like, well, I'm rich, but it sucks that I'm rich. So I'm just going to, you know, use the family's money to do whatever I want. So further, we find out that Andrew has clearly been asking permission to like explore Clayton Mill. He wants he's very curious about being able to be on the property. And apparently David has forbidden him from entering one of the closed off wings of the main family home that everyone lives in, except for him. Um, And uh, and he's kind of disappointed about that. But Toby brings up the first home, which here we go for another of the Dark Shadows parallels. In Dark Shadows, there was the main house, Collinwood, and there was there were multiple wings from when the family was supposed to be bigger, but because it's smaller, they've closed off the West Wing. And so that's kind of – there was this whole thing when Barnabas Collins uh, was introduced into the show, this whole deal with him wanting to, to restore the West Wing, but Roger Collins was all like, you can't go in there, and I, it's closed off, and I won't let – I won't permit it. So I'm kind of another parallel there. And there was uh, the ancestral family home of the Collins family called the Old House, which was the original home, the original Collinwood. And then in the 18th century, they built the bigger house and the family moved. So in Shadows of a Dark Past, the first home is, again, the, the original Clayton Mill. And then in the 18th century, when the family built the larger home, they moved and abandoned it. But the original house still stands on the property. It's just old and abandoned. Okay. And so that's another Dark Shadows parallel there. Now, I don't, I don't want to sidetrack you too much here, but I'm I sure. kind of get confused. Where exactly mm-hmm. is our Andrew and Stanford living? Th- uh, a building that I call the Old Schoolhouse. Okay, and it's another Dark Shadows parallel. Um, in the Dark Shadows 1897 time travel sequence, there was there were two ch- uh, Collins children, um, Daniel and um, oh shoot, what was her name? All of a sudden, I can't remember. Nora. Uh, and it wasn't Daniel. It was ta- uh, Jameson and Nora. That's what it is. Jameson and Nora Collins. They were the two kids. And they were tutored at a small uh, – at a building that was supposed to be on the Collinwood property uh, uh, built as a private school for Collins' children. So I'm kind of saying a similar thing is in my universe that I'm in Clayton Mill at some point in the past, Clayton families built a a, a, a building to be a private school for their children to be tutored in. Um, but that of course has also fallen into disrepair. And that's the house that Holly let Stanford be in when he came begging. And that's also where she put Andrew when he came asking. Got it. So back to Toby. So Toby has, so Toby um, recognizing that Andrew wants to explore and learn more about the family history, but has been blocked um, out of the West wing of the house brings up, the first home and says, David didn't say anything about the first home. Want an adventure? And at first Andrew's like, <laughs> eh, you know, what do I care about an adventure there? But then Toby says something very, very important. He reveals that during the 1960s, when David was just a child, another relative briefly lived in the first home. That's right. A relative named Zachariah Clayton, which of course <laughs> immediately gets Andrew's attention because Zachariah Clayton is the vampire that bit him. And he knows uh, that that had to have been the same person Yep. and he used to live there. 
And Andrew had no idea that Zachariah used to live there. I mean, had come back during the 1960s. He had no clue. Not just and come back, he, but is doing kind of the same thing that yeah, Andrew lived there, is doing, pretended to be, pretending yeah, pretend- to be a member of the family, a different right. member of the family. In that case, he actually was a member of the family. But well, yeah, he was pretending <laughs> to be a descendant of himself. That's right. Because that's what Barnabas Collins did in Dark Shadows. He was a descendant of the original Barnabas is what he claimed. So um, so that changes Andrew's tune immediately. And he's like, yes, as a matter of fact, I would love to go on this adventure with you. I'll meet you in a few minutes. So then we follow Toby and Andrew as they enter the old and very smelly first yeah. home. <laughs> it's a lot of, lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of smells going on. And I, I love the things like, how are you not choking on that awful stench? And Andrew's like, uh, I'd prefer not to go into detail about why I've smelled the things that I have. But... <laughs> Suffice to say, there are things that reek far worse than this. Yeah. And Toby, Toby suggests, is it, is it something, something died in here? You don't think it's a, it's a, a human, do you? And... Or you think someone died, something died in here or someone? And Andrew's yeah. like, <laughs> He's like smelling the awful smell. And he's yeah, like, mm, he's like yeah, analyzing yeah. it. Maybe, maybe some animal death, you know, some decay. No, no humans died here. <laughs> yeah, he, not human death. Like he would know <laughs> what that <laughs> smells like. <laughs> and Toby As just lets fact, that go by. <laughs> Toby is, uh, I think that Toby, sh- you're right that Toby should pick up on things, but he's start Basically, he- Toby, one of the things this episode is supposed to show is how much talk. Yep. Toby is. He talks a really big game, but as soon as he is faced down with a bad smell and a dark house, he starts second guessing himself immediately. Yeah, because doesn't Andrew point out like it's late at night? Why do you want to go there now? And he's like, "Oh, come on, right. it'll be it's fun." Midnight. But then when he gets right. there, he immediately gets scared. Of course, like what did you expect, Toby? <laughs> he is so all talk. He thought it would just be honestly the the way that I wrote it is he kind of figured that Andrew either wouldn't go along with it at all or might like take a few steps in and then get freaked out and ask to go away. I don't think Toby really thought they were going to end up in the basement. No, definitely not the basement. (laughs) So they start walking through the house and Toby immediately is like noticing piles of, you know, rat skeletons in the corner and and all of the dead bugs and stuff. And he's just like, and everything's covered with a thick layer of dust and it's clear nobody's been there. Yeah. And and so Andrew starts getting all nostalgic and reminiscing about the Clayton family, you know, hanging out in the living room. And Toby's like, uh, Andrew, the monologue isn't helping. It's just an empty room. <laughs> That's right. Because uh, Andrew points out they're recording this and they need to they need to narrate the recording. Right. So if it's going to be of any use to them in the future. <laughs> exactly. And and so um, they, they keep going. And uh, then Andrew has the bright idea. Let's split up. You know, let's, we'll go down this hallway and look at all the rooms i'll take these you take those and he just wanders off into another room (laughs) leaving toby all by himself so toby starts timidly poking his head into rooms and then ends up walking into a room with a broken window and the breeze from the broken window uh blows the door he opened back shut and the disgusting mess that was on the floor turns out to be bat guano as the swarm of bats that have taken up roosting in that room swarm him as they fly out the broken window and he flips out (laughs) Andrew um, comes running in. Yeah, you know, calms him back down. But by this point, Toby's like, I clearly did not think this through very well. There's a <laughs> lot of good reasons we should not be doing this. Yep. 
<laughs> and he's trying desperately to, to beg Andrew to go back. But Andrew is there now and he is intense. And he's like, no, no, as long as you're with me, nothing bad will happen to you. No one else is here. It's impossible anyone else could be here, you know. And, and Toby's just like, if you say so, <laughs> don't you dare get out of my sight. And then they find the door to the basement. <laughs> which is already creepy enough, but it's also made of metal with great big bars on it. And Toby is just like, why are we doing this? Of course, I don't want to go down into the basement. But Andrew's like, if there's anything useful to find here, it's going to be in the basement. Let's go. Because they would have. Yeah, they, they wouldn't have left it out. They would have hidden it. Right. And so poor Toby is just like at this point, you can just imagine he's probably shaking head to toe and is probably white as a sheet, clinging desperately to Andrew, who's trying to just, you know, be smooth and everything. So to get down to the basement, they find a skeleton in a collapsed brick pillar in the middle of the room, which further just solidifies Toby's, you know, pleading to please leave and get out of there. Yeah, they see a hand sticking out of the rubble. Yeah, Andrew goes over to see it. It's like, it's a skeleton, a whole skeleton. Somebody was left in here to die <laughs> a long time ago. And then, but, you know, so Andrew still won't leave. Um, and he says, fine, there's a there's a, a, another door and a hastily bricked wall in the corner of the basement. Let's check that out and then we can go. So Andrew essentially drags Toby into the basement. And I'd like to note that the music at this point in the episode is intended to make you feel like you are on the edge of your seat. Mm -hmm. And it is very, very intense. Yes. The music of this episode is in, uh, especially of the exploration of the first home is meant to evoke Toby's emotions. The, the music entirely follows and mirrors Toby's emotions. It stays, you know, kind of down at first, then, you know, spikes during the bat stuff. And then it's kind yep. of just quivering beneath the surface. And by the time they're looking in the corner of the basement, it is just all over the place because he is desperate and, to leave. And Andrew is totally calm during all of this. Oh, and totally. In He's fact, fine. he keeps trying to reassure Toby. Yeah. He keeps oh, we're telling fine. Him, Nobody else is here. Don't worry. You'll be safe. I yeah, will make you, sure that you're safe and okay. I won't, I'll make sure you don't get hurt. I will make sure you're safe. And he okay. repeats it. Stay with me and nothing bad will happen That's right. to you. <laughs> so he's, so Toby stays with Andrew and something <laughs> bad happens. <laughs> <laughs> something very loud and bad. So he, they go into this, this other corner room with a hastily bricked wall and another big metal door. And they see big, heavy iron chains attached to the wall. And there's like, what were they keeping down here? <laughs> and then the door slams shut seemingly out of nowhere. And the brick wall starts collapsing from across the room. Andrew yells, Toby run. And then we hear Toby just scream, which is cut off as the brick wall falls directly on top now and that's the end of the episode and that's the end of episode <laughs> seven now do you would you would you like um to know what i thought was happening during this very much so i'd very much love to hear the first time i listened to it because i was thinking about the chains mm -hmm. and what were they keeping down there the sound of the wall collapsing i interpreted as something like galloping or running toward mm -hmm. them but then when I when I listened to it the second time after knowing what happened, I heard, OK, yeah, that's 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 the wall collapsing. <laughs> but I thought that was interesting that I totally misinterpreted the sound effect when it's obvious what it is <laughs> on the second listen. Is that intentional so, misdirection there? Not really. 
what what was unintentional even more so was that I did not intend for there to be a long gap between the release of episode seven and episode eight. Ah. Because episode seven ends with this great big cliffhanger of, you know, Toby run, ah, cut off <laughs> and like, okay, so what happened and what are they okay? And I was intending for that to just be another two weeks to find out the answer, but we had a delay. And so people had to wait quite a while to find out what happened. Well, you know, in hindsight, if you're going to put a, an extra long <laughs> delay in between two episodes, these are the two to put it in between. Yeah, right? to, to make you wonder, <laughs> is Toby dead now? Is Toby dead? Should What happened? What, what happened to Andrew? You know, well, so episode eight opens with um, the first of what I call Stanford's pathetic voicemails. <laughs> We learned that Stanford, I think that I, I, I'm actually not trying to remember if this is the first time it was mentioned. We learned that Stanford has a girlfriend named Sophie. It sounds like an ex-girlfriend. That's what I well, wrote down anyway. <laughs> well, so, so episode 10 gives a little bit further into that. But we'll, we're, uh, so on episode eight, we hear that, that, that Sophie has apparently not been very pleased with Stanford not being around very much. And, um, Stanford is, of course, trying to put that off on, you know, Andrews, this heart from another member, you know, I'm having to work for somebody who just came from another member of the for another branch of the family. And, you know, but please don't, you know, please don't leave me, all that kind of stuff. You know, he's he's trying to to keep himself in Sophie's good graces, even though it's clear he's kind of in the doghouse. Okay, At least that's the way that I intended it to come off. This it's basically the first brick in some uh, some some you know foundation some character building. I put X question mark Sophie because mm. I was well it sure. is supposed to be well I mean in a way that's that's that it being their relationship being up in the air is kind of where sure. things are. So okay. it's not bad for for you to question are they X's? Um, we but don't get yeah, too much. It, it clearly in the doghouse, like you said. Yeah. And one of the other things that I'm not sure how clear it is, but I'm tr I tried to to bring it is that Sophie clearly does not like it when Stanford cusses too much because he keeps like correcting himself when he cusses. <laughs> I originally wrote that down like, wait a minute, because I caught that he stopped himself from saying the word ass. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, and he, he says, what's the quote? Working my tail off. Yeah, <laughs> that's an episode 10. But oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm skipping ahead. OK. <laughs> But the point is, yes, he, she she clearly doesn't, you know, she's one of those that, that wishes he wouldn't cuss as much. So he catches and corrects himself, you know, and in episode eight's vo uh, voicemail, we also hear him um, once again, forgetting that he cannot say the word vampire and starting to say it and then choking on it. Yep. <laughs> one of the effects of, of Andrew's control over him. Um, the next thing we hear is Mark, who is. Very groggy because it's like three in the morning and he is driving in a very pissy mood to Clayton Mill because David has called him and woken him up in the middle of the night <laughs> crying and claiming that a ghost told him in a dream that Toby was in danger and yeah. he couldn't find him. <laughs> so he went he goes and looks and sure enough, Toby's, Toby's, Toby's not in bed where he should be. And so he calls Mark. So he calls Mark. <laughs> so Mark is, of course, like, Ugh. he's thinking. <laughs> You know, this is this, this is just is this is just a stupid part of his job that he has to do, and obviously there's nothing wrong. But he has yeah, to well, go. He has to go anyway. He, yeah, he points out Toby's 29 years old. Yeah. <laughs> so and he has a girlfriend. So like his bed being empty in the middle of the night should not really be a big deal. No. 
but he's like, you know, but he points out this when he tried to beg out of it, David just started crying and begging him to come. And so he's like, oh, fine, fine. And then he, he reluctantly explains what he his professional opinion of David yeah. is and, yeah. and, and why he has to he feels like he has to go do this. Yeah, he's starting to really get concerned that David is falling into the signs of dementia. Which, uh, you know, this is a uh, this is kind of part of what I was referring to with the the proof that Mark is not a very professional person, because these are this is just his personal diary. Essentially, there by a professional, there is no reason he should be talking about his patients in in the a personal diary thing. It's yeah. Very unprofessional. <laughs> um, but essentially, he's like, look. The family history, there's there's lots of That's mental right. illness. He's getting older. It's not that dementia would be out of the, you know, out of the realm of possibility. But still, you know, I was hoping, you know, kind of rooting for him to to prove that the that the Clayton family curse is not a real thing. And then he has to remind himself, yet at the same time, I personally have proven the existence of vampires. So like <laughs> It's this, 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 he's torn between the rational scientific side of him that wants there to be a normal real world explanation for everything, but also being a person who's been personally and directly affected by the world of the supernatural. Yeah. And it just, it's hard for him to catch himself sometimes and be like, well, (laughs) at the same time, I know vampires are real for sure. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I made a note of the, uh, family history of mental conditions that he mentions mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we haven't really heard much about that yet is that it's a little a foreshadowing yes it's a tease because there's you know that we we talk about uh, there's a mention a couple of times about this you know very high level mention of the clayton family curse right you know and i'm just gonna tell you because this is a spoilers to say that is going to be explored a little bit more in detail during season two Woo-hoo. There is going to, in fact, be a scene in season two that talks about how the legend even got started, the origin of the legend of the family curse. So this is just a little tease to make you wonder, wait a minute, what what's the Clayton family curse? Find out in season two. Good. Everybody loves an origin story. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So so Mark gets to Clayton Mill. And he basically pauses it. And when we hear him come back in the next scene, he sounds a little bit more concerned himself. Because now even he has gone and tried to look for Toby and found that not only is Toby's bed empty, his car is still in the garage. Mm -hmm. So and and then even though, you know, Mark is still kind of pissed at Andrew, he figured Andrew can help. So he goes looking for Andrew. Right. Andrew. Andrew's also not home. He wants to utilize Andrew's uh, heightened senses and abilities to help look for Toby. (laughs) It's kind of ironic in a way how angry he is at Andrew, and yet he's willing to use Andrew's abilities mm-hmm. when it suits him. Again, he's an imperfect human character. <laughs> we, we, we all would be prone to doing the same thing. So um, he ends up waking up Stanford. And since bear in mind, this is probably by this point at least 4 a.m. Can imagine Stanford's not in a good mood. No. <laughs> Is he ever? <laughs> no, but it's even worse if he's being woken up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so he grumpily leads Mark around. And then only after they, you know, wander around the old schoolhouse for a while, does Stanford remember, oh, yeah, Toby came and talked to Andrew at midnight and then they left. And. <laughs> So Mark is searching the property for them, figuring start there. He gets to the first home and finds the front door standing open. 
with yep. footsteps in the dust. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, well, clearly they went in there, but we also hear Mark very clearly not wanting to go in after them. No. Clear, it's dark. Clearly they went in and there are no footsteps coming back out. So they right. must still be in here. And he just, and he, of course he's standing at the front door like, Andrew. Yeah. Toby. <laughs> Please come out so I don't have to go in. <laughs> but there's no answer. So of course he has to go in and he follows the footsteps. And then of course he finds the door to the basement and he sees again, the footsteps go in and they don't, don't come, come back out. And he's like, Oh God, I don't want to go down there. But he does because he feels he has to. Yep. And and as he looks around, he sees the collapsed wall and Toby in the rubble. <gasps> and so he starts digging Toby out from under the rubble. But Andrew is nowhere to be found. Huh. And so um, knowing that Toby's in bad condition and he cannot wait to look for Andrew, he Mark just puts, you know, stops his phone to call his recording to dial 911 to get Toby some medical attention. We then end the episode with a short scene in the hospital later that like basically it's like the next evening i think mm -hmm. and uh toby has you know received some medical care so he's so he's like you know all hooked up to machines and casted up and everything and probably on some good drugs <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds like it yeah he's what <laughs> broken leg broken ribs and a concussion yeah yeah that that would definitely do it <laughs> he needs some good <laughs> drugs for that so he's painfully talking to Mark about what happened. Um, and he remembers something that, uh, you know, in addition, basically he, he remembers a couple things of note. First off that when the wall started to fall over, Andrew ran towards him and Toby points out, he ran faster than he thought a human could. Yes. Which of course we all know why that well, is. Well, yeah. <laughs> and we find out that Andrew, in fact, basically tackled Toby to try and take the brunt of the brick wall collapse yep. for him. But yeah, when Mark got there, and, Andrew was nowhere. And Toby assumes so. that Andrew should be crushed to death. Yeah. And Toby thought Andrew should be dead. Yeah. But he's gone. And so at first, there's just like a kind of a mystery and Mark's about to let Toby go because he's all hurting and everything. But then Toby remembers one other thing. And Tiny says, little detail. She, she moved him, which immediately stops Mark up short. Wait, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> and so Toby remembers that shortly after the wall fell, he actually woke back up temporarily with Andrew, you know, on top of him. And then he felt Andrew being pulled off of him and he saw a beautiful woman. He mm -hmm. thought that he was dead and she was either an angel or a ghost or something. Yep. She leaned over Andrew and she whispered, I found you. <laughs> and I love the touch that you added in there when he said, I found you. You hear on top of his voice. Is <laughs> you hear Gabrielle That's... saying, I found you. Is that the first time we hear her? Yes, that's the first time her voice is heard. And it's, you know, really soft and layered on top of Toby's. So, but yes, that's the first time we hear Gabrielle's voice. And um, so, yeah, that that was, and that's a moment where, of course, Mark immediately just, he knows exactly what that yep. means. <laughs> and he is not pleased. And that's the end <laughs> of that episode. Then we come to my favorite interlude, interlude four. And for the first time, it's not Holly and Andrew. Well, because right now we have no idea where Andrew is. No, It's in the hospital and it's Holly and Toby. And it's supposed to be like the next day. And, um, 
and Holly starts off by making sure that Toby's okay. But as soon as she understand, real, you know, can see that he's basically okay, she starts tearing into him, <laughs> uh, laying into it. What the hell were you thinking? You know, about going into the first home. She is quite pissed about that. And of course, he's trying to, you know, lay the blame elsewhere. Well, I wanted to go. Andrew was the one who went down, wanted to go down to the basement, you know. Yeah, I wanted to leave as soon as I saw the dead rats and bugs. <laughs> Uh, and he, and of course he tries to pawn it off as, well, you just don't care about me at all. You just have a crush on Andrew, you cougar. cougar. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just, and, but Holly is having none of it. She's like, I, you can, you cannot manipulate me. I'm not your father. I know you too well. <laughs> so, um, they, uh, this interlude is all about Holly trying desperately to get Toby to, to accept Andrew as part of the family. Um, and Toby is just completely uninterested in it and has started to suspect, in fact, that Andrew is not a Clayton. And he's trying to. And so this is sort of this scene is like Toby trying to get Holly to acknowledge that Andrew isn't a Clayton by blood and Holly trying to not answer that directly while at the same time trying to get Toby to acknowledge that it doesn't matter whether someone's blood related or right. not to make them family. <laughs> yeah. Cause and she doesn't, she doesn't really answer. No, she doesn't. She doesn't deny it in the least. <laughs> um, but she does get Toby to agree with her. Well, sort of, because remember he's like, I guess. And she's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and that's really to me, why I say this is my favorite interlude of the first season is that for all of the, the, the vampire drama and all the, everything else, the real human story at the heart of shadows of a dark past is, is kind of encapsulated in part during this interlude with the idea that a little love and acceptance is all it takes to make someone family. The family is who you choose, not who you were born related to. And, and that family is, you know, really about trying to make other people's lives better by being part of them. And that's a big thing that I believe in strongly in my real life. And that's part of why Holly gets to preach that a little bit. And I know that that goes, you know, some people feel that's a bit preachy, which is why I had Toby ended up by saying, holy shit, you are such a hippie. hippie. <laughs> and, and she says, well, you know, you say that like it's a bad thing, but you tell me who's happier, me or your father. And he has to admit you, you are. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, exactly. <laughs> so and, and of course it ends with one of my favorite parts of you know that she tells him even if you can be a real dummy sometimes i love the <laughs> shit out of you and he says i love you too aunt holly aunt holly cougar. again yeah <laughs> cougar. Oh, well in that case actually <laughs> one aunt more holly, cougar but, but yeah the, and yeah and then another cougar <laughs> <laughs> just for good measure uh so Interlude four ends there. We pick up episode nine with Allison coming over to Mark's place. And Mark has not been getting much sleep. He's very tired. He's getting more and more. He, he, you can tell that he has reached a point of severe frustration that he can't figure out what to do about Andrew. And Allison assures him it's only been like two, three days. Come on. There's that doesn't mean anything. Mark recognizes Stanford's compulsions are still intact. That means Andrew That's hasn't right. been destroyed yet. He just can't find him anywhere. Right. And he suspects that it's Gabrielle, but they don't really know that for a fact. He just strongly suspects it. 
And we find out that what Allison has come over for, which Mark is kind of having trouble accepting, is they're going to do a seance to reach the ghost of Zachariah Clayton. Because even though he was a vampire, he they know that he's dead because Andrew killed him. Right. And they know from Andrew that Zachariah also hates Gabrielle. So they're figuring the enemy of my enemy maybe could be my friend and mm-hmm. help. <laughs> and of course, Mark is, is still having trouble believing that this could work. And of course, and when Allison's ready and he starts trying to record it, she's like, I'm not sure recording it, you know, it's going to be a good idea. And then he does a really boneheaded thing to someone that he's supposed to care about in, in questioning, you know, how many times have you done it? Have you done this before? How many times has it actually worked? <laughs> So is is Allison herself a witch or is she a, a psychic or what exactly? She would not refer to herself as a witch. She would refer to herself at best as a medium, but not a full time medium. Okay. That's not really like her her strongest bag in life. It's just it's something that she's got experience with. She would not refer to herself as a witch per se. But she can protect Andrew. From Gabrielle, right. or at least she thinks well, she can. Right, or at least she intends to try. But you, we'll we'll, we'll touch on that in, in okay. episode ten. There's a lot of things I keep saying. We'll talk about that in episode ten because a <laughs> lot of it comes in the cliffhanger. Um, so Mark backs off of his questioning of Allison's abilities, and she starts to reach out, and along comes Zachariah Clayton's ghost. <laughs> And at first they doesn't, and it doesn't, and it doesn't really go over too well because they're like, we want you to help us find Gabrielle. And he's like, Gabrielle, if you, you're not strong enough. She would kill you like this. I, you, you don't even know what you're asking for essentially. But then Mark speaks up again with the idiot energy, right? <laughs> well, she tells him, don't keep, say anything. <laughs> don't say anything and keep your hands on the table. <laughs> right. And so he's like, we're not just going to give up. And so he starts talking to Zachariah and basically tries to pull the, if you don't help us, that just means you're yeah. you're giving up and you're letting Gabrielle win. Do he, you really want to do that? He lays a guilt trip on the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> what idiot energy. <laughs> oh my God. And of course this doesn't go over well. The ghost is like, all right, smart ass, who is the friend that, that, um, that means so much you'd risk your life. And they're like, uh, Andrew Carpenter. And that just, Zachariah flies into a rage. It's like, what? You mean the guy that killed me and my wife? He can burn in hell. And he just (laughs) pieces out of there. (laughs) He literally says, may he rot in hell and disappears. And of course, Alice is like, no, no, wait, stop. Mark, I told you not to say anything. Yes, but did he take his hands off the table? Well, I get. I sort of wrote the, in my mind's eye. He did as as Zachariah is, you know, going off on the may he rot in hell. But by that point, Zachariah was already gone, yeah. and that's what Mark says. Like, I don't think he was going to help us anyway. The son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so Mark is even more angry because this was what he considered one of his last ditch efforts to find Andrew, and it failed. And so he is all like really, really angry. And Allison tries to calm him down and point out, you know, hey, I'm surprised you're skeptical. You've asked for my help because you know I can help you. I will. It hasn't been too long. Keep the faith. Basically, just chill. <laughs> and 
Mark has to acknowledge that he doesn't want Andrew to die despite his anger at him. He doesn't think, uh, he says that he just doesn't seem like the kind of vampire who winds up with a pitchfork mob after him. Yeah, he, ad- he admits to Allison that he likes her and that he thinks he's good, fundamentally. Yeah, yeah. And but although there is a really fun part that I'm draw, I want to draw specific attention to here because it's not the first time in the series. This is this is something I'm setting up that I want people to pay attention to during this conversation when Allison's trying to get Mark to accept that he is a good person. You know, he himself is a good person. Um, she she asks she says, you know, you're sticking your neck out for Andrew a lot. Would you do what you're doing for Andrew? for me and mark's like well, of course i would and she's like and would you say that you love me and he won't <laughs> answer he says that, 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 that's not fair i mean and he just kind of hymns and hauls and allison just like ah, i thought so this is not going to be the only time in the series that allison tries to pin mark down to admit that he loves her because they have struggles some- to do so they have some uh, complicated history together. They do, and we still don't know all of it. Although episode ten gives uh, opens that door quite a bit more. So Allison says that she's going to go back home, and the intention, the intent time there is back to her. Like she doesn't live in Claysville; she doesn't live in Massachusetts. She came out of from out of state to to see Mark and Andrew, and it's been staying there. Um, so she's going back home to where she lives elsewhere for a few days to kind of gather some more supplies and think about what's the next step, and she'll come back. And so she leaves. But the episode doesn't end there. <laughs> the episode ends with something that that I I understand may strike people as a little odd, but it's it's such an important scene for the future. Well, I we think actually, I thought, wait, we're we're hearing this, and then I thought, mm-hmm. well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so we basically go to hell, oh, oh or okay. at least limbo, you know, purgatory, whatever you want to call it, and we start hearing Zachariah Clayton musing to himself (laughs) and this is where the title of the episode kind of is intended to clue you in the title of this episode is awakening the sleeping devil after andrew killed zachariah the the implication is supposed to be that his spirit essentially went to this purgatorial limbo and has just been sort of like off asleep or whatever and it's only been a few months right yeah like six months yeah six months since he died Allison woke him up. Oh, and wait a minute. But it wasn't it him that appeared to David? No. In his dream? It wasn't. No. no. Oh. I haven't said who it was, but it was not Zechariah. Just because I said it was a ghost doesn't mean it was Zechariah. Well, I kind of assumed because. Mm. Well, then, let this be the confirmation from the creator. It was not Zechariah who appeared to David in his dream. Whoa, major behind the scenes <laughs> teaser for upcoming season two reveal, we'll see. maybe future we'll see. at some point. More important, episode nine, Zachariah Clayton has been awakened by the seance. And so even though the seance is over and Zachariah pieced out of talking to Allison, the implication is he did not just go back to death sleep. Okay. He is now ruminating about how awful it was that he's been killed by the end result of Gabrielle, essentially Andrew. 
and he's you know and how awful he how bad it is that gabrielle was you know he's he he still hates gabrielle but then he has a moment where he realizes is it possible can i touch as i was touched reach as i was reached as meager a chance as it is i must try and i mean that to mean the seance reached into the afterlife and touched him and reached him. And he is a powerful spirit having lived for so long as a vampire. The implication is that he is going to attempt to muster what power he can and see if he can get out the same way that he was sort of pulled out. Oh, that's not how I interpreted that. That's part of why I wanted to be very vocal and open about it, because that's the intention is that Zachariah has been awakened and he knows that there's essentially a bridge back to the real, you know, to the living world. And he's so furious and pained. And now that he's been summoned back for a seance, he is like, hmm. I wonder if I can do something like that again. Oh, wait, that, get out of here. That is sort of what I thought, but I thought about it in, in a different way. And I How wrote, did you see it? I wrote, he wonders if he can contact Lindsay or maybe bring them both back somehow. Hmm. <laughs> well, when you were, you were talking about it just now about just him, that's kind of what well, threw me. Lindsay was a human. She was never a vampire. Right. So essentially she's gone. He's more trying. It's just he's separated from her. And he's hoping that if he can do something about his situation, he can bring them back together. I don't think he's got his his mind set on a specific outcome so much as bring her back or at least get peace together with her one way or the other. Just not apart forever like we are now. But he also, another thing that I noticed, it seems like he's realizing that he maybe suspects Gabrielle, or like it's possible that she could have done something to orchestrate his death through Andrew. Basically, he, he, he says he wouldn't be surprised. Right. That's, it's a threat I'm not sure if I'm going to pull on that heavily or not. We'll see. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any other questions about Zachariah's musings or yep, on to episode 10? On to episode 10. All right. So episode 10. Okay. So I just have to, I just have to say that the uh, sound effects <laughs> I mentioned last time, the, the, uh, the phone sound effects, like the text noise mm-hmm. in particular got me like looking at my phone mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in this second half of the season, starting with episode six and it happens again in episode seven and then again in episode 10. It might, might, might've happened in between. I just didn't notice, but the knocking on the door has totally thrown me. I've been like looking over my shoulder multiple times. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> who's sneaking up wow. behind me? <laughs> well, Episode 10 begins with the second of Stanford's pathetic voicemails to Sophie. And this time we hear the signs that she has at this point said we're through to Stanford because he's like, baby, please don't leave me. Mm -hmm. Don't do this. And this is all a a, a really pitiful attempt to try and, and, and do the, please don't leave me speech. Um, 
in which he acknowledges hasn't even seen Andrew in a few days, has no idea where he is. And one of my favorite points of this, and, and it was so fun to write it, is Stanford calling out to because, you know, he's trying to be like, I would choose you over Andrew every day. You know, like if it, if I had to choose between you, it's always going to be you. You know, you get the impression maybe that's a thing she has. They've had an argument over, you know, he he basically lets Andrew, you know, run his run his life. And she's and she's like, I wish you'd choose me. And he's like, I would choose you every day. And I love the analogy he pulls. If we were like in one of those movies where bad guys got like you and Andrew suspended over Tinka Piranhas and I only had time to save one of you, it would be you every day <laughs> of the week, you know? Thinking of like the end of the, was it uh, Batman Forever is one of them. And there's a Spider-Man uh, two or three, you know, the Sam Raimi trilogy is, is another one of those. The the hero's choice, you know, I was trying to evoke that the the, the hero's choice two P, you know, uh, their beloved one. And then a bunch of you know public lives and only enough time to save one. And Stanford's making a parallel to that. So after this voicemail, we hear Mark. um and he's clearly trying to get his mind off of Andrew by transcribing some patient notes from a recent visit he had with Holly. Which we did not hear. No, we didn't hear the visit with Holly, but we uh, hear that uh, he it's been a while since he saw her, and, and so they had to catch up a lot. And he starts noticing that Holly talked about Andrew. A, a lot. lot. <laughs> like, way more than he would have expected. And this sets Mark off on a ramble. You get the impression that he sat down on his, at his desk, like, with his phone and started transcribing. But then he just sort of sits back. And I even imagine him twirling around in his spinny <laughs> chair, just now talking, just spewing out whatever comes to mind. And it's everything from being curious about what, you know, why Andrew and Holly are so close to where Andrew could be. Or, you know, and then he even gets into musing, uh, which is really we see what's on his mind mind truly when he finally rambles his way around to not for nothing i wish i hadn't been such a dick to him yep he realizes last time that the, the the last time he talked to andrew they had a big argument he was cold and now he may never see andrew again and it just hits that point that mark points out you never know when the last time you're gonna see someone is and that is a point that i'm making in the show through Mark, because it's one I have had to learn the hard way in my real life. Um, I had a friend named Adam when I was uh, a college age um, person who um, in 2006, uh, Adam died in a car accident very suddenly. Oh, wow. Um, and the last time that I talked to him, it wasn't the last time in person. It was the last time we talked online. We had an argument. Oh, no. And I hadn't yet apologized for it, and I hadn't seen him in person to kind of make up for it, and then he died. And Ouch. even though I know we were close enough friends, he wasn't really holding on to that. I know that the 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 weight of our friendship before that it, it was a tiny argument; it wasn't anything big. But he still, still died with yeah. that on my conscience, and that's not an easy thing to bear because there's literally no way to unload it other than forgiving oneself, you know, and that's not an easy thing to do. So that's part of what Mark is saying there. That's from the personal experience of sometimes things happen and you can't guarantee that the people that, that look young, healthy or whatever, you're ever going to see them again. And you have to be prepared. I even kind of learned that with my mom. I saw her literally the day before she died and had no idea that she was going to die the next day. So 
basically that that line that moment comes from some very personal experiences for me and i mean people to understand that i mean that line seriously <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people will will get that and un- unfortunately yeah. everybody's going to have at least one of those moments in their life yep it's a very common human thing mm-hmm. and i'm trying to and so it's just kind of an acknowledgement of it so and that's really why that's it's like this is you know episode 10 helps us finally uncover that's why mark is so so upset over not being able to find andrew is he's carrying the weight of that on his conscience so the next thing that we hear uh, oh oh sorry and one other thing that's of 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 note here is that he towards the end he says he wishes he could just crawl into allison's arms and make everything and forget everything for a while but he thinks he says she hates me she has to he basically sees this as a self-destructive relationship and he sees himself as not being he sees himself as not being strong or healthy enough to resist it but basically that that by continuing to see him that Allison's just letting things happen and that it's an unhealthy self-destructive thing that she, that whatever their history is must lead to her hating him and that her acting all nice to him is just self-destructive. And that's an assumption that he makes. Yep. Then in the very next scene, we find out how very wrong he is <laughs> because the very next scene is Allison making a private diary entry And this reveals a couple of very important things about their story. The, they, they very, she reveals how they have been close. Of course, they've had a relationship. And in fact, that in times past, Mark was a very, very devoted partner. The soul of courtesy, very good at comforting during difficult times. The most difficult time of all being when Allison reveals they lost a baby. Yep. So all of the stuff that we have been catching glimpses of through the season so far, the difficulty that came between Mark and Allison was that they lost a baby together. And while at first he clearly was very, very comforting to her, that is the kind of trauma that, that has does and will end people's relationships. And clearly though we don't get all of the details, this was a catalyst that led to them breaking up. Yep. And though they've kind of apparently gotten back together for, you know, a little wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, a couple of times (laughs) throughout the years. It's that, that is something that just is so massive and monumental between them that it just seems to be insurmountable as an obstacle. It's preventing them from reconciling for sure. But at the same time, she then goes on to point out she loves Mark. Yep. That she adores Mark and does and she wants to reconcile with him and doesn't want this constant apartness. And so this shines even further light on how Mark's assumption that she hates him and that this is a self-destructive thing is all still him keeping the guilt on himself. And that he doesn't need to. She does not hold this against him and she does not hate him if he would just work with her so so it sounds like maybe she's she's tried to bring this up a couple of times and he doesn't want to talk about it oh for sure (laughs) for sure he is the one who avoids this like the plague 
And this, as you can imagine, this scene is, was a very emotional one to record. Um, it was done in, in, in two takes, and I honestly would have been willing to, to only ask for one because it's a very tough scene. But it's so important. And Crystal did such an amazing job. Oh, yeah. I, 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 love, I love that scene. Then we come back to Mark for the final scene of the episode and truly the final scene of the season. He's in his car again, and he's just kind of, you can tell he's just depressed, despairing. He's saying that, you know, maybe it sounds like I'm leaving Claysville forever. <laughs> maybe I am. Maybe I will, you know? <laughs> um, and he the, and then the anger resurfaces and it all comes down to where are you andrew and why couldn't you have just been a good guy vampire why did you have to be just like him, him. uh-oh as he bangs on the the steering wheel over and over again and we hear the honking of his <laughs> car horn the hymn here it's pretty clear from past episodes the hymn he's talking about is the vampire that you know bit him and killed his family oh, yeah. when when it was younger and it's just the 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 parallels to stanford keep him making that connection back and re reinflating that anger but almost immediately after he goes laser beams, laser beams, you know it's just um okay i wrote that down is it laser beams laser beams Yes, laser beams, laser beams, like shooting them out of your eyes. You're just, you know. <laughs> that that was that was an ad lib by Carl because he's amazing. <laughs> That's not in the script, but I left it in because I liked it too much not to. <laughs> I kind of figured that's what that's you know that was how his his anger was manifesting that he was seeing laser beams, kind of. But um, I had to listen to it. A couple of times like wait what did he say it sounded like laser beams <laughs> <laughs> it was it was laser beams um it's but almost immediately the anger just deflates back out of him and he has to just acknowledge look yes i do he is my friend i don't i can't keep the anger and hatred at him and i just wish that i could find him again and he realizes as he pulls into clayton mill that without even meaning to that's where he drove and the point, the implication, he's just so tied up in all of that drama, he just can't get away from it, you yep. know? So he's like, well, I might as well, you know, find out if Stanford can talk to me without being a smartass. <laughs> Shouldn't hold my breath, right? After all, so it he, is uh, during the day now, right? <laughs> well, no, it's it's not intended to be during the day. It's evening time. Because, well, it's, it's not the middle of the night, though. <laughs> right. It is the evening, not, not, not. He's not, not waking not Stanford up. Right. <laughs> Um, so imagine Mark's surprise when he knocks on the door and who answers it, but Andrew himself all over again, Uh oh, <laughs> which Mark immediately just pounces on Andrew with a hug. That's what is, I, you know, I'm not, that's what I wrote. I said, did Mark give him a big bear hug? <laughs> yes. I was hoping that it would be obvious with Andrew going, oof, what are you, please stop. <laughs> And Mark's yep. like, oh, you can just kind of see him like the relief just washing over Mark in waves. Well, then he says something like, uh, well, it was either that or I was going to hit you for putting me through all of this. Right. Exactly. It was either hug you or hit you. You know, what do you want? <laughs> and so then Mark does the inevitable peppering him. With, Where are you? Where have you been? It's been days. I've been looking for you. And of course, Andrew, uh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> he's trying to tell him. <laughs> 
Well, well, you can also tell that Andrew doesn't really want to. You can tell Andrew's nervous, Mm -hmm. even through all this. And because he's like, well, you know, I'm sorry for for scaring you. Um, I don't want to talk about where I was. And as for Gabrielle. Well, uh, (laughs) and then Gabrielle herself. Yes, love. As for me. And in she comes sauntering into the room. And Mark's like, uh. <laughs> and and so Andrew does a very timid introduction between the two of them and tries to stammer his way through where um, that is because uh, uh, he's just like at this point, he wants to sink through the floor. <laughs> he does not want to be here. And Gabrielle smoothly, what my darling is trying to say. And she's like, we've mended our differences and we're back together. And rather than take Andrew away from his life, I've decided to move in with him. And Mark's <laughs> like, uh, so, and Andrew has to confirm, yes, she's living here with me now. Bum, bum, bum! <laughs> and the season really ends there. Now, That's there right. is an interlude five. And technically I released it after, but this is one of those moments where Mm. it's the the intention is you come into episode 10, still not knowing what's up with Andrew. And now all of a sudden he's back and Gabrielle's living with him. And what's what the obvious question is, what, why, how did that happen? What's been happening over the last few days? Well, interlude (laughs) five shows you. We go back in time a little bit. We go back in time a little bit. And we hear in what sounds like, you know, kind of an echoey, dark, dank, dusty sort of room. Dungeon-y, we hear Gabrielle call, mm-hmm. sing-songing, calling for Andrew to wake up. And as Andrew wakes up, we hear chains rattling as he does. <laughs> and she, and as he slowly, you know, groans his way back to consciousness, Gabrielle very, you know, sort of in a lighthearted way, teases him about how you know he's been you know allowing himself to become so weak that even just having a wall fall and him knocked him out yeah. and like tisk tisk yeah this is and the he, moment he wakes up after <laughs> she takes him away from yeah. the first home yes and so he's he finally comes to enough you know cognizance to realize like oh gabrielle <laughs> he's like great <laughs> And so she's all like, you must have been very busy because you didn't tell me where you were off to. And, you know, all this stuff about one could almost believe you were trying to avoid me. And he's like, hmm, gee, wonder why that might be. Maybe because <laughs> I am trying to avoid you. And he, you know, he they, they back and forth a little bit about broken promises and how they both promise never to come back here. And and and, you know, but Andrew's all like pissy about her evil deeds in the past. Yeah, I wrote, they have it out over the end of their relationship. (laughs) (laughs) And he, and one of the things is, you know, after the, the interlude three scene with Holly, he's, you know, she asked him if Gabrielle comes back and Andrew's like, I'll tell her that I do not need her and she should leave me alone. And you can just, I envision that between then and interlude five, he has literally practiced what he's going to say because he kind of gets into a a recitation mode of speech, you know, tone of voice of Gabrielle. Our relationship is over. It's this really formal speech. (laughs) He's clearly practiced this, you know, and he's like, just go away. And she's like, a weaker woman would do just that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like everything he says, she twists it around, you know, and 
He finally reveals that he knows about Zachariah Clayton, that she's the one who made Zachariah a vampire. And since Zachariah is the one who made Andrew a vampire, that makes her responsible for Andrew's vampirism. So basically a great big middle finger to her. (laughs) And he, and she's basically, and the thing is, she's totally nonplussed. She's like, oh, and what precisely do you know about Zachariah? You know, it's like, are, are you finished? Is that all, you know? And, and he find and he just likes, is just, he gets more and more irate and he get, goes off the script, if you will, you know, finally getting heated about, I watched my wife and my family age and die and it was your fault. And, you know, I, Zachariah would have died before, you know, before I was born, if it hadn't been for you, you did it to me. And he calls it a wound that shall never heal a sin. I can never forget. And, and she's like, are you quite done? He's like, I have barely begun. <laughs> And he vows that he'll either kill her or die trying. And and, and she's like, and what if I told you that I could remove the curse and make you mortal again? And just like that, she <laughs> sucks every bit of wind out of his sails. And it's just like, what? Yeah, I wrote, I wrote Andrew in, in all lowercase letters, W-U-T. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> That's such a great moment. <laughs> yeah, because he is just so on fire and just spitting hatred and venom. And she's just like, oh, really? So what if I just, you know, took all that away? <laughs> He's just like, huh? <laughs> and so she's like, well, of course I can undo my own work. You know, of course I'm capable of undoing the curse. I could absolutely do that again. She you know, insists. Do that for you. Huh? <laughs> she insists. Right. And and he's whether like, that's true or not. You yeah. know? <laughs> and, and 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 he's like, You do that for me? And she's like, Well, of course I would. In exchange for well, yeah, because like just not for someone who despises me, and but that, for a beloved she... devoted partner. And he's like, Ugh, uh... of course, strings attached. There it is. Couldn't couldn't just do it for me because it'd make me happy. And she's and she's like, you know, you you clearly believe that you've you know got some kind of dark secret on me, but it's not like you know I ever claimed to be perfect, and it's not like your record book is exactly clean either. So like, let's cut the bullshit now, and you know, let's have it out. And you know, if you're willing to take me back and actually give me a chance, I will totally cure you. You know, right. well, or and it, in other words, if she undoes the reason that he left her in the first place there's no reason for him to leave her now is there exactly and it just kind of comes back to you know she it comes down to him having to think about that and he just goes i don't know what to say (laughs) and he just walks right over to him and says then don't say anything just kiss me and it ends right there and since we see in episode 10 that they're moved back in together clearly (laughs) Andrew accepts this deal. Yes. And so we end season one with Mark, you know, relieved that Andrew's okay, even if he's still got the whole, the whole Stanford thing is still there, but he's like, at least Andrew's okay. But Andrew's as Gabrielle is back in his life. And so what indeed comes next (laughs) what indeed comes next where to go from here well i can tell you exactly where i'm going from here but i won't because spoilers (laughs) (laughs) other than to tell you that the only thing that i will and this isn't even a spoiler i've even mentioned it before on nerd burger but uh 
Toby's sister Alex and Alex's uh, Alex's girlfriend Haley have been mentioned a few times in the first season, and they become actual on on screen. I know <laughs> they 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 become characters we hear from. They they're added to the cast in the second season and become quickly a very important part of the plot. Oh boy! So that is where we leave season one, which is now entirely fully live, and everyone can binge the whole thing. Uh, season two is already written. Um, it is more than halfway through the rehearsal process, and I've even started recording some of the you know, production recording um, for about a quarter of the season is already recorded. Wow. For the second season. That's one that's of a, them being you. I was going to say that's a lot because um, I was there when you recorded the first bit of you that were the quarter first of the season. <laughs> and that was Which, only, what, four weeks ago? Yeah, seriously. Which, as a, as a as a side note for 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 listeners to tease you a little bit for the show, um, the uh, th- one of the th- the other sessions that we that was recorded was Nikki, who is the actress who voices Gabrielle. Uh, Nikki and I did a recording session in which we recorded the scene that also includes Mike's extra Glenn. Uh, so even though the, the, the final like editing hasn't been done and there's sound effects or music or anything, just what I call the rough cut, it's just the, the dialogue from one of the takes just to get a, a basic idea for what it's going to sound like. I threw one of those together for the scene that includes Mike so that he could hear his own, uh, his own appearance. And, <laughs> and, uh, and Mike's immediate response was, uh, sure, you don't want me to do a third take for that? <laughs> <laughs> you guys Not seem a- like you want to talk about this. I'm going to just go. <laughs> Not a voice actor. <laughs> but uh so you have notes i'm sure i covered a bunch of them but i'm if you have uh, other things you want to talk about or ask me questions this i am opening the floor i love talking about the first season go for it oh i think i i i got everything out that i wanted to mm. as we were going you you have covered all of my other notes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for um, interlude five. The first thing I wrote was flashback question mark because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh boy, we're gonna get to see what happened. We're gonna get to find out why she's there and why <laughs> a- Andrews accepted her. We're see, gonna get to find I... out what happened these last few days. And I was, I was, after... that was so great. That was like the perfect button to put on on the season. I'm glad that you say that because I was a little worried that people weren't going to respond well to it just because of the being a, a slightly unacknowledged flashback. I try on my Twitter post to putting it public. I tried to acknowledge interlude five is technically like in there before the end of that, you know, episode 10. It, Chronologically, it's, just, it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just little... for dramatic effect. I wanted the bum, bum, bum oh, yeah. moment, totally you know, the, the big shock reveal that the Gabrielle is is back in Andrew's life. No, that was the way to play it. <laughs> definitely so um i i just now you've heard everything and all of the actors in in the first season i am just i love my cast so so much oh, yeah. they, they are they they really grow on you when you listen to them well and there isn't a single one of them that i think the casting could have been any better like i don't it, it not again not trying necessarily to toot my own horn on it but seriously the people are so good with their roles. They just embody them 
And it, you know, by the time I heard each person at the table read, I already could not have envisioned anybody else being in any of the any of the roles. They're just too good. Okay, this is this is a good way to wrap up the conversation. We'll talk about the voice actors. So I've already Mm -hmm. I already talked about the the last time, Mark, how in the beginning, his idiot energy kind of puts you off a little bit for me, kind of put me off a little bit. But by the end of that first half of the season, I was like, okay, Mark's growing on me. I like Mark. (laughs) I'm 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 on team idiot energy now. <laughs> I'm glad. It's my character. It is supposed to be like And uh it, what what strike struck me about that review that you read was that the the reviewer kind of said a similar thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm and do you have it in front of you? Yeah, I've got it right here. Um, let's see. Mark McCain is a multidimensional and relatable character, and I really like him more and more for each episode. That's it. I like him more yeah. and more each episode. That's exa- that's exactly what happens. Um, and uh, okay, so Allison, mm-hmm. like, talk about somebody who can who can match Mark point for point. I like yes. you totally. You totally understand how <laughs> they were ended up in a relationship together in the uh, to begin with. That is a really good point. And so let me expound on that for a second. So the the actor, the voice actress that does Allison is Crystal Hutchins. Um, and Crystal and I went to college together, as a matter of fact. I met her way back when. But then after I graduated, she was one of the people that, like with most of my college acquaintances, you know, kind of once I was no longer going to college, I fell away from most people that I talked to. Sure. And that's not just the way that's just the way life works. You know, is this a, a fellow KSU alumnus? Yes. I well okay I'm not 100% sure if she graduated from KSU but I did meet her at and if KSU. you go there you went there. Yeah, I, I met her. I met her when I was at KSU. There yes. you go. Um and and and, and uh, I also it turns out in the future ended up having gone there. <laughs> it's so to because speak. of Southern Polytech. Yeah, cuz they got swallowed up yep. by KSU well, cuz Georgia likes to change the names of colleges and combine them for no reason. I mean not not to um not to tangent too much, but I actually uh took one class at Southern Polytech in my senior year because I had to as a transfer credit cuz KSU didn't offer it. And so for a while I had SPSU on my, you know, on my record and now it just kind of disappeared into the rest of my KSU record. <laughs> what 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 a uh, school year was that? It was the 2007. It was spring 2007. Okay, so that was that was yeah, after I'd gone long after yeah, I'd gone. <laughs> I took relativity in oh, spring fun. No it wasn't. <laughs> was that like physics? Yeah, that's a junior level physics class. Oh wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> okay, I, that's again, not, I didn't to me that sounds like much. that would have been fun. <laughs> Well, it's just because it's hard. Well, maybe if you audit it, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that I, I there, there was from my computer science major at Kennesaw State, there was a, a class called Digital Analog Electronics that counted as a junior level physics class, but no professors were offering it in like for the, like the following two years or something. Oh, wow. I, it, and I needed to graduate. And I'm like, well, you got to give me something for this credit. And so they um, they made some uh, I mean, I wasn't the only student who that was affecting. So they ended up making some deals with other colleges for other junior level physics classes that KSU would accept. And I chose to take relativity as the best of the bunch and then later regretted it. But oh, that's, boy. A, episode, that's for a different episode. <laughs> OK, back so anyway, to Crystal. Back to Crystal. So Crystal um, came started coming to the escapery game days that i was running a couple years ago back when i was at the escapery 
And we, so we reconnected, got to be friends. And this was right around the time I was getting started on making Shadows of a Dark Past. So after we'd reconnected on Facebook, as I started talking about it on Facebook, she was starting to look into, she was, she is wanting to be a voice actor too. I mean, at this point, she's got several credits, I think, um, for other things. And, um, so I, when I was saying, Hey, any of my friends, I'm starting a podcast, anybody interested? And she's like, I'm a voice actress. I'm interested. <laughs> and she, she gave, uh, I gave her an audition script for, for Allison and she knocked it the freak out of the park. It was like, I didn't even hear a second Allison audition from anyone. I was just like, Nope, Crystal, you're it. <laughs> so I liked her from the start as the character. Then when we got into rehearsals for the first season, it was after the table read. Um, we got into rehearsals and since there are, you know, a few different scenes that have Allison and Mark and they have to have good chemistry since they have that history, that history. Um, we had a couple of sessions where um, the three of us all got together. And in addition to rehearsing the scenes, we talked about the characters. And so Carl and Crystal talked they spent they probably over the course of a couple of rehearsal sessions spent at least two two and a half hours or so not even in rehearsal mode just in talking about the relationship mode talking about how things would have gone when they were starting to drift apart over the baby how things might have gone over the years as they try to come back together but then end up you know back apart how it feels to come back together for the, the, you know, the scenes that are in my show, what it was like when, you know, when Mark called her, like we even had an entire, like Carl even practiced his psyching himself up to dial her number. I mean, like they spent so much time in developing what Mark and Allison would be like together that it couldn't help but shine through in the performance because the actors had taken so much time to explore it on their own. And I think that shows because they have such good chemistry together. Oh, yeah. And you, like you said, you believe that Mark and Allison have exactly the complicated history that they have. And of course, Holly, you instantly love from the beginning. There's no, there's no, you know, she doesn't have to grow on you each episode more and more. And kind of to the point that we, we, we get to interlude five and, I'm a little disappointed that Holly's <laughs> not in this one, but of course, you know, then yeah, obviously, you know, <laughs> what, yeah, what does happen in interlude five? Because, like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Holly is indeed one of those characters that took on a life of her own because the, I, I've pointed out, you know, in all of my parallels between my show and Dark Shadows, Holly is sort of the parallel to the Carolyn Stoddard figure from Dark Shadows. And I wrote her originally to be, you know, this this spunky cancer survivor who kind of has reached a point of her life where she just kind of has, you know, just doesn't give a shit anymore. You know, once yep. you get to a certain point in life, you've seen what you, you, know, you've, you just, it doesn't matter as much. And you just want to live your life and, you know, have people stop bothering you. And, about and she, things. she even says at some point in the second half of the season that, uh, that she's accepted her mortality. Right. Right. So she says that to Toby in the hospital and 
the original intention was that she was only ever going to be in in interludes the interludes were going to be more her domain and since when i first was writing the first season i didn't even write interludes in when i was writing the first draft of the first season i just wrote the first nine episodes and then episode 10 and that was kind of it and then i wrote one uh, what I called at that point a bonus episode that was uh, that was an early version of interlude one that was essentially Holly saying son I'll get right to the point are you a vampire while they're smoking weed together and that scene took on such a life of its own I ended up splitting it into two and by that time I was like well if I'm going to do two I might as well do more <laughs> and her character started to, to come into place especially especially after the casting now she is Holly is a character I did hear multiple um, actresses read for the part, but when Trudy sent me her <laughs> audition, it was kind of like I mean I mean no disrespect to the other actress who I was considering because she was good, but Trudy just like as soon as I heard Trudy Leonard do the uh, do the voice of Holly, I knew that was my Holly, yeah. and she brought the character such to life that as I was writing the second season, I originally was only going to have Holly again, possibly in interludes and stuff. I have changed that. And Holly has a much larger role in the second season because Trudy is so good. I can't not feature her more. And especially how good it's not even the scenes with me. I love the Holly Toby scenes. Oh yeah. Yes. Because you could, what it wasn't even the thing that I explicitly stated It was only implied in their dialogue, but Trudy and Jacob, who is the, the actor who voices Toby, Trudy and Jacob picked up on it really, really quickly that even though Holly is Toby's aunt and not his mother, in some ways he kind of almost got more raised by her in some ways and his personality takes a lot after her and especially his sort of snarkiness and his attitude that is doesn't take the family to and it's in itself too seriously i can see all of that stuff he got from her and so their scenes are so much fun because they just are a couple of smart asses smart assing at each other (laughs) and um yeah speaking of toby toby and stanford both grew on me also like Mark did over time, <laughs> Toby, because he was he's just so snarky and flippant mm-hmm. about situations. You don't really get to know him in the beginning. It isn't until these later episodes where things start happening to him. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with Stanford, but for different reasons. You start to anyway. I did. I started to feel feel sorry for them and and relate to them when as they went through what they went through. You know, obviously Toby getting injured and. You, you get to see this human side of Stanford where he's yeah. begging with his his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> his girlfriend who he's in the doghouse with. Um, <laughs> because in the beginning, he's just this mean a-hole who's just pissed off all the time. <laughs> you, you don't stop to think about how he might actually have reasons for that. So there's a good reason for some of the things that you're talking about. Um, and it isn't something I did on purpose so much as just as a natural outgrowth of the, the growth of drama, but it's, it's true that the early part of the show by necessity features largely nothing but Mark and Andrew because the show follows Mark first. One of the neat things that happens in the second season, and this is not spoilery, it's just, the natural expansion of scope of the story 
instead of it being very myopically focused on only Mark and Andrew, now that the situations have gotten where they are at the end, season two does have Mark in all of his circles, if you will. But there's also kind of a growth of the scope of the Clayton family. We start to see more with Holly and Toby and especially Alex and Haley and how that and their situations that don't really overlap with Mark and his situations and are only tangentially sort of looped through Andrew being part of the family or whatever. Like basically season two, you really start to see more of the Clayton family in addition to Mark and Andrew. Yeah. Am I missing anyone else from er earlier on in the season? Uh, from early on, not really. This is Mark and Andrew, Toby, Stanford, Holly, Allison, Allison, um, Zachary's ghost doesn't really count that much, and then Gabrielle. Yeah, okay, that, that's so, that's all eight characters. Okay, yeah, and Gabrielle comes in at the end. We don't really yeah, we have don't a... see her much yet, but we'll see her more in season two. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm sure that you you could have already picked up on the fact that she becomes a much oh, larger yeah. presence in season two as she does. <laughs> but um, you can tell the way the way she's written and performed that she's, she like Andrew has been around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, if she, the it's, I, I suppose I meant it to be more explicit that she, you know, was around back in Zachariah Clayton's day, Obviously. which is even yeah. before Andrew's. I mean, she's at least a couple hundred years old. No, but you, you, you get that. She's got a little bit of that way of speaking like Andrew. A little, mm -hmm antiquated well, slightly but she's she's obviously embraces time and oh, yeah. progress a little bit more than than andrew does oh totally she's more willing to get more with the times but she does have that eloquence yes and even more so than andrew you can really get the idea she likes to hear herself talk yeah <laughs> and then zachariah's ghost <laughs> <laughs> okay so, so, so just real quick i just want to say that i the actor who voices zachariah clayton he's a friend of mine named java green and he is a, he's a good friend of mine and i did not know that he would want to be involved in shadows of a dark past and he didn't get back to me until i already cast almost everybody and that's why he only ended up getting zachariah's ghost and i was like i I didn't know you wanted to work with me. I, I would love to have you work with me. And I have a character that I am. It's, it's a character I already kind of wanted to bring into the series at some point, but it's one that I adapted in my mind specifically to be for Java to voice. And originally he was going to come in to play in the second season. I, I, the story didn't end up going that direction yet. Third season. He will be in. So the same actor who's voicing the ghost of Zachariah in, in the first season, he's going to be um, a, a slightly larger role character later on in the, in the show in starting in season three. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because I just wanted to recognize job as a great actor. I love him and I, and he deserves much more than to just be the ghost. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that you're going to, you have to worry about um, people hearing his voice and getting confused that he's two different characters because this voice that he's doing for Zachar the ghost of Zachariah is sounds nothing like his actual voice. <laughs> and I'm not, and it's not just the accent. Like this is a total transformation because oh, we hear, we hear him say this, you know, this is Java yeah. green. 
as listening to Shadows of a Dark Past <laughs> as and as, as the Ghost of Zachariah Clayton, and I'm like, right. that's not the same person. <laughs> Java is okay. So the level, one of the things about Shadows of a Dark Past that's so interesting is the the strata of of prof- when I say professionality, I don't mean the the talent, and I don't mean the skill, and I don't even mean I just mean the le- the level of credits that that comprise the cast list because. I because like um Jacob who plays Toby is not an actor like at all he's not even an aspiring actor he is good because he's naturally talented he loves to play RPGs and he was he did do theater in high school but like his career has nothing to do with acting he's just good and as far as I know I don't know of him even trying to do any other acting other than Shadows of a Dark Past You've got people like Crystal and Nikki, who both are are early aspiring voice actors, and who I'm genuinely hoping will get more and be- more bigger and better roles, even than Shadows of a Dark Past, because they're both good, and I want them to keep going. And I only hope that that Shadows can be a good starting place for them. And like me, I've got a couple of crew credits, but this is my first acting role. Um, but then you've got people you wouldn't like- know that. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but then you've got people like Carl and Edward and Java and Trudy who are professionals who have lots of acting credits under their belts. Like Carl, Java, and Edward already had, you know, have decently lengthy IMDb pages, even without me adding Shadows of a Dark Past to it. And the only reason Trudy didn't is that she is, uh, she's a, a She's with the Atlanta Radio Theater Company, so her acting credits are radio theater credits, but she's got, she's done a bunch of them. So, like, I've got what you would call amateurs on the team, and I've also got, like, pros on the team, and they're just so good. I can't help when I'm acting or directing, acting alongside them or directing them. I'm just blown away by how much I love my cast. Oh yeah, they're all great. Did I start that ramble somewhere? Was I going somewhere <laughs> with that? What were you saying before I said that? Because you were talking about the actors. You were saying something we're about. Ta- um, we were talking about um, Java's voice, right? And how Java. how so it's such a transformation, right? Because he's got a lot of other. He's he's a professional who's got several other credits under him. Um, he actually um, there there's a, a web series called uh doctor who the forgotten doctor i believe that that's one of the probably many fan sh- uh things fan series that postulate a doctor you know that that wasn't part of the show or whatever and java like not only wrote that he was the doctor in it that explains the excellent british accent then <laughs> um and and so was edward edward was in that too um and they also both worked on there was a fan x-men um, gosh, I can't remember now what it was called. There was an X-Men fan project that both of them worked on as well. So like that we're, we're not talking about, you know, just, you know, only amateurs. We've got, we've got people with some real, real chops in here too. It's just, it's just awesome. And I'm so happy for you and everybody involved and um, looking forward so much to season two. <laughs> well, that will be coming as soon as I have the capability to get, you know, 
COVID is of course, one of the big things that put a crimp in that because, you know, I recorded season one by going to people's houses or having them come to my house and recording in person in the same room with people and acting alongside them, you know? Yeah. And season two so far has all been, you know, recorded over, over calls and, and things. I've not been in person with anyone for obvious reasons. So it is a little bit slower going to be able to record that way, but it's, it's, you know, I trust me. Season two means a lot to me. It will be coming. Now, are you having the individual actors record themselves or are you depending on the, like the zoom call or whatever? Um, for the audio? I am We're we're all recording ourselves on our, like, own like, like you had equipment. me do, yep. even though we were on a call like this and you were feeding me lines. Yep. Okay. Yep. I just that's wondered. how I was I just, doing it. That's how I'm doing it with everybody. Okay. Uh, we're all recording on our own. We get on a call so that we have the timing so we can act yep. alongside each other. Yeah. But everyone's that's recording their own stuff and sending them to me and I'm putting it all together. Well, that's great. So everybody has has the equipment themselves already. Oh, uh, there are a couple actors who don't. And they are the ones who have not uh, like the, the people who have their own good home quality recording setup. Um. I are some of the ones that I've already worked with and gotten some of the recordings. And then there are a couple of the actors who don't have a, a home professional set up because they just haven't needed one in their, in their careers before. It's just not a thing that they have required. And um, part of my season two quandary has been how to, you know, get them. You know, I'm probably going to, my, my first thought is to find a way to have them essentially borrow some of my equipment for the, you know, for a short time so they can sure. record. But um I Still mean, really, all you need is a, you know, a USB microphone and a closet with some blankets. A good microphone, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, as we've talked about on this show, yeah. you know, they're not that yeah. expensive. <laughs> it can be, yeah. So you're, it's you're part, looking it's at... It's part of what I'm... Yeah, it's part of what I'm working out. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Shipping people a microphone and a, and a cable <laughs> and <laughs> some instructions. <laughs> some disinfectant wipes <laughs> <laughs> you'll figure it out you figure it out sorry i just instantly do letter kenny at this point when somebody says figure it out it's deal. you figure it out <laughs> i'm not must not be a letter kenny fan i've heard of it <laughs> i was not a letter kenny fan until uh 2019 myself so okay. like but it's but it's a uh, it's worth it it's a good show but I'm not here to talk about that. <laughs> I've already talked for like two hours about Shadows of the Dark Past. So, well, um, I have I have taken enough of your listeners time for this week. <laughs> well, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap things up then. And mm -hmm. uh, is there any last words you would like for the listeners about season one or season two or Shadows of the Dark Past in general or whatever else you're working on? Well, um, yeah, so. So Shadows of a Dark Past means a lot to me as, as not only a project that has been around for me uh, in some form or fashion for, you know, ever since I was a teenager, but also just for how much personal uh, there is in it between things that um, mean a lot to me or elements of myself that I add in and that are personal, which is a lot of what I've talked about over these past couple of appearances. Um, I have other projects that I have started noodling on. 
Um, I mentioned that there is this other character for Java to voice later on, and it's an attempt to uh, to introduce this character um, ahead of time. It is my goal, and I am working on writing this now to do a mini series that I am. Uh, it's kind of an anthology uh, tr- trilogy called Chronicles of a Dark Past that will introduce this character before his Shadows of a Dark Past um, appearance in the third season. Oh boy, expanding the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the idea of being Chronicles of a Dark Past can be an ongoing anthology that just can be things that are not part of the the Clayton family, you know, Andrew Mark saga up here, but are part of the same universe. So I've got this one idea for an entry here, but that does open the door for lots of other possibilities if there's characters or situations that I or fans want to explore. So that's one thing. Awesome. Um, I have another project that uh, started um, started coming together last year in October. Um, I have mentioned before the many other audio drama creators that I have befriended, and several of us uh, talked about doing a horror anthology series called Grim's, uh, Gruesome Grimoire that would be a Halloween thing that we thought about doing for last year, but we just couldn't put it together in time. But the idea being it's a collaborative series of uh of like episodes and stories that we'd write together and produce together. Um, I still hope that we can do that maybe this year or next. So, you know, fingers crossed them there. Cool. And finally, the last of the Ando Valentine productions that I am hoping to get, and this one I'm a little bit closer on. I'm still kind of in the early stages, but I, I'd really like to keep going with it. Uh, similar to Shadows of a Dark Past is based on a short story that I wrote when I was younger, when I was in college. Um, the story is called At Cape Clear. Cape Clear is a real place, is an island on the southwestern tip of Ireland, and so the story would be set in in Ireland, and is uh, it would I'm thinking they would either be like a, a one off kind of almost cinematic length thing, or maybe like a, a, a three part anthology that would be shorter episodes, but it's just a standalone story. It's just a one off thing. But in addition to it being, you know, uh, a, a story that I've had on, on my mind for a while as well, it would be another collaboration, specifically not with a, like a big group, but um, with uh, Paul Walsh, who is the creator and one of the voices in the podcast, The Green Horizon, which is a sci-fi comedy uh, that I love. And uh, but but he is Irish. And so I figure if I'm going to write a podcast that, you know, or an audio drama that is based in Ireland, I probably ought to have an authentic Irishman help me out to make sure that I don't make it, you know, <laughs> insensitive in any way. So that is something that is my genuine hope to make some strides on this year. I don't know if it'll be like released this year, but like I've started trying to write the script and I want to make more progress on that. So those are, that's kind of the, uh, the irons in the AVP fire at the moment. Awesome. Well, looking forward to all of those things. Oh, and the Shadows of a Dark Past Season 1 soundtrack. There's that, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's that, too. Oh, how's that coming? Uh, well, Trace and I have begun working on it, but uh, the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 has not been a very creatively conducive time for me. Uh, things seem to be heading in a better direction. I'm hoping I can start catching some better waves of creativity and writing on it more. Um, luckily the soundtrack isn't going to take like a ton of work. We've started working down the list of the songs that are, that were used. And I'm trying to figure out whether I want to go complete chronological or if I want to do a little more thematic ordering. And I'm thinking thematic is where we're going to go. 
Um, and I just, and, and it's just coming down to a matter of what songs might want to be like, you know, slightly lengthened sure. or, you know, how the remastering is going to go. So I don't have a firm thing on that just because of how difficult it's been for me to, you know, plan things. But that is something that I'm, I'm really, really shooting for the soundtrack to happen this year. I really, 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 really want that. Cool. Because I really, really, really want to listen to it. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> and uh, just so so you both know, I was I was thinking about that as I was li- <laughs> doing my second listen through the second half of the first season this morning. <laughs> like, oh, I can't wait for the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Trace will be very happy to hear that. Awesome. I know I am. All right. Well, Ando, thank you again thank you as always for letting me come on in this case for letting me talk for two hours twice in a row about my podcast <laughs> <laughs> maybe for season two we can split these up yeah maybe not do the whole thing all at once yeah we'll <laughs> all uh, in twice do do like two or three episodes at a time however it works out yeah. have to wait and see <laughs> i'm trying to write our uh our <laughs> here. <laughs> so while ando types the outro <laughs> I will tell you that you can find us at nerdburgershow.com and email us nerdburgershow at protonmail.com. Ooh, Proton Mail. Someone moved over. Well, the other one's still there, but yeah. It's okay. I've got a Proton Mail too. I understand. Screw Google. <laughs> well, and and and, as and where can they find you, Ando? So uh, they can find me in a lot of different places, but uh, <laughs> p- primarily uh, kind of the portal for a lot of my activity is uh, theamazingando.com. Um, and of course, my, my, uh, the, what we've just been talking about, Shadows of the Dark Past, you can find that at uh, podchaser.com slash S-O-A-D-P podcast. Um, and you can email me if you have any further questions about the show that we did not cover over these past couple of days. Uh, or past couple of weeks, I uh, am at andovalentine at gmail.com. And of course, at andovalentine on Twitter as well. Oh, and I am wearing my Shadows of a Dark Past t-shirt that I got Yay. from the sale that we talked about last time. Indeed, and, indeed. And I think I got the same the same color and material of yours is the dark charcoal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's that's the same one I got. Yeah, it's it so is soft. super soft. See what I mean? Like I keep telling people it's not like I know it's got my podcast logo on it. So it sounds like I'm biased, but I swear to God, the shirt is literally one of the most softest, most comfortable t-shirts I've ever worn in my life. Like regardless what print is on it, it's just so soft. It's the, it's the, the heathered gray. Mm, yes. Cause it's yes. got a little polyester in it. You would think yeah. that that would make it less soft, but for some reason it makes it more soft. I don't know why, exactly. but I knew exactly which one to buy based on your description. And yes, <laughs> indeed, it is. It is that soft. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just trying to not make it completely and totally dumb, but. Um... Well, it, it is Nerdburger, so. Well, OK. <laughs> <laughs> On the next episode of Nerdburger, Mike and Matthew try to determine whether the strange knocking noise they're hearing is real life or a vampire-induced hallucination instigated by today's guest, Ando, who is haunting the Nerdburger airwaves and refusing to just go away. 
<laughs> awesome. Your hyper realistic sound effects have cursed the show. <laughs> <laughs>